Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Behavior Creative Club, an original podcast production from Design Sensory. I'm your host, Chris McAdoo. And this is Brad Carpenter. And we are live from the floor of the Tennessee Governor's Conference on Economic Development here in Nashville, Tennessee. And we're super proud, super happy to, to have Justin Lane with us. Justin is the Marketing Director for Tennessee Economic Development. Justin, if you want to tell the good people out there a little bit about yourself, what you do, who you do it for, and why. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, Justin Lane, Marketing Director. And before we get started, before I get into my, my spiel about myself, I want to be selfless and start this off. I actually brought you a present, which... Oh, wait a second. Yes. Present? I this, love presents. Well, you guys deserve it. You, you've worked hard the last few days. So I have travel table topics to go. Now, this might become a staple of the podcast. <laughs> oh, and wait I'm thinking a if we have enough time at the end, we can play oh, real man. quick, maybe like a lightning round. Oh, but I, think- I, um, I actually went out to a destination marketing conference a couple of months ago. This was one of the giveaways that they had, and we had so much fun with it. Yeah, we have to, we have to um, do that. Oh, we're going to do it, yeah. Simple we questions. Yeah. You can do, you know, one-sentence answers, but it's a great way to sort of nice learn about a, a person, right? Especially since a lot of focus recently has been on destination marketing, whether it's tourism or economic development. I just figured if anybody deserved these cards, it was you guys. <laughs> it's very thoughtful, so. and they're really, they're really fun. When we start out a uh, podcast with gifts... It always goes well. It always goes well. Well, <laughs> thanks, man. You might have just jinxed us <laughs> a little bit. So, again, I am the marketing director for the Department of Economic Development. I have been here, I want to say, for almost seven years. Wow. It has hands down been the most rewarding and best job that I've ever had. And, you know, I guess I have been tasked a little bit to sort of build the state's brand over the seven years. It hasn't been all me. I've got an incredible team around me, and I think that that's been probably why the journey's been so much fun, but we are here to essentially establish Tennessee's brand on a global level. And we really have sort of done that with authenticity, I think has been the secret of our, our brand. And to letting Tennessee be defined by the brands that are already here. So, you know, we're all, we all live in Tennessee, but if anybody's listening outside of Tennessee, you know, there's some things that are sort of quintessential synonymous with our state like FedEx or Jack Daniels or Dolly Parton and really we've sort of carried those undertones throughout all of our marketing materials so again it's been a pleasure it's it's been the most rewarding job that I've ever had and I'm excited to wake up every day and, and be able to do that. Well, that's awesome. What, so having you know been been here for so long, seven years, you've seen a lot of growth, a lot of challenges, a lot of opportunities. What are some of the things that you guys are focusing on right now, both from a 30,000 feet, you know, for the state of Tennessee, as well as drilling down into, you know, by county, by community? Well, I think right now it's really about making sure that we're, we're essentially pouring gasoline on the fire. The great thing about having a Uh, being able to market a product, especially when you have an incredible product that sells itself, is really just sort of capitalizing on that. So I would say probably the best way to to dissect this would be, where did we start? And my background, I've spent a majority of my career actually being on the agency side. Cut my teeth working out of DC and Nashville, doing public affairs with candidates all over the country or special interest groups. That was a great way to sort of get involved and understand government, mm-hmm. but also understand that creative in government is awful most of the time. <laughs> um, and then I, I went to, to work at an agency that, that surprisingly ended up getting a lot of government 
clients. So my entire career, even though I've spent a majority of it in the agency side, I've always somehow been involved in, in, in government. And when I came to the Department of Economic Development, I looked at the economic development industry as a, as a whole. And just to be frank, I mean, and, and I think any of my counterparts in other states would agree with this, like, this industry historically has been like 10 years behind <laughs> every other industry. And we're, we're not much different than tourism. I mean, we essentially are, are recruiting people to come to our state, but instead of us recruiting tourists, we're recruiting businesses. Yeah. So I, I never understood, like, you, you have some of the best creative campaigns in the world that, that represent, you know, departments of tourism, and then we have de departments of economic development, and it, it looks like some, no offense to any uh, graphic design students out there, but it looks like uh, somebody uh, essentially that, that had not had much experience in this field. It, it gotcha. put together a lot of the creative. So from day one, that's pretty much where we said, if we are going to position Tennessee, we need to do it to a certain caliber, a caliber of other industries. And we have gained, I guess from a creative inspiration, we've looked a lot at tourism and a lot of the tactics that they have done We've looked at the automotive industry, and obviously mm -hmm. because automotive defines the state of Tennessee so much. We've also looked at the brands that really inspire us, and a lot of them being t Tennessee brands. So Carhartt is, um, sure. a, a, has a strong presence in Tennessee, and, and of course my, my, my favorite brand, and it will always be my favorite brand, is Jack Daniels. So a lot of undertones of our creative work is, is came from other other industries. And I think, I think what that did even six or seven years ago it has established sort of a, a, a benchmark for economic development marketing. And I think you can go back even in the last two or three years to where it's gotten a lot more competitive. The creative has gotten a lot better. You guys sure. know this because you, you have had clients in the economic development space come to you mm -hmm. and they want to get to a, to a certain level. And I don't want to say we're responsible for, for sort of elevating that, but we have played a strong part in it. And I think by doing that, we essentially gained a lot of market share for the state of Tennessee in the sure. economic development realm. Let, let me dig into that a little bit because what I'm hearing is you guys are looking, it's not just about looking in the mirror, it's looking kind of outside, not just even what your neighbors are doing, but you're looking at what is Jack Daniels doing? What are these big brands doing? And really, I think where you're getting to is they're telling stories. They are being authentic about who they are as a brand, who they are as a people, and or who they are as a community, right? And so, what are some of the, the things that you guys have worked on to tell those stories better for Tennessee? Yeah, so, probably couldn't have set me up any better. Authenticity <laughs> really is a staple of our brand. And from day one, you know, when, when I had first assembled the team, I said, look, everything, every story that we have to tell, it has to be a real person in a real place in, in Tennessee. Okay. So, if you go back and you look at any of our marketing materials, whether it's videos, print, web, even social content, that is a real person in Tennessee doing their real job in a real place. We do not use talent and, and stage them. Again, I think that just diminishes the, the brand. Because we're being competitive, Tennessee might not be for everyone, right. and that's okay. We want to establish Tennessee as a lifestyle brand, just like Jack Daniels or yep. Harley-Davidson or... or Carhartt. And by doing so, we get to tell that authentic story of what it's like to really work and live in Tennessee. So we have played heavily on, again, the, the brands, but the people, the craftsmen that really define our brand. So everything is like, you know, sort of the handmade craftsman's 
tell. We take a big focus on making the workforce sort of the hero in any yeah. campaign. And um, again, I think that's what set us apart. We, we got to a point to where we sat down and we opened up uh, economic development magazines and we could see like from our, I won't name states specifically, but <laughs> our competitive states, we would lay out multiple ads. And there was a couple of cases where competitive states were using the exact same stock photography and they were making you know the same claims we've got the best infrastructure yeah, we're yeah. number one in, in this and look we still do that i think that's sort of a, a a reinforcement but the first thing that i want to do with anything is form an emotional connection i tell my team this almost every single day if you can capture their hearts the mind follows and i think if you take anything away from this or if somebody is listening and saying you know i I have a community, we really need to focus on destination marketing. What is the one single key to making mm -hmm. my campaign or my brand successful? And it is going to be form an emotional connection and make it authentic. And if you can do that and do it right, the rest falls into place. <laughs> well, how do you balance, all right, how do you balance that emotional connection, that heart, right? using real people, using real stories, when, where they live and what they make. How do you balance that with the boots on the ground? Do you have enough land with enough sewer that goes to it? Do you know what I mean? The, the, the head and the heart. Yeah, absolutely. So it, I think a lot of it's been sort of this journey to where when we first started doing this, people were like, okay, this is a little whimsical. I don't know how this is going to help me with sales. It's, it's the <laughs> it's it's a tell as old as time, right? Sales and, and marketing don't see eye to eye, and, and sales blames marketing, marketing blames sales, and and there was some of that initially. I think we've gotten to a point over the, the the last few years to where people get it now, and really the people out in the field have been really our biggest brand ambassadors in helping us tell that story and helping us tell that emotional connection. And I couldn't tell you how we got from point A to point B. What I can tell you that somewhere along the way, sort of a, a, a light went off to where maybe when they were using these materials or figuring out how we were trying to talk about the brand or maybe it coming from our leadership, they sort of started to duplicate that same messaging. Okay. And I, and I can tell you this, even yesterday I had uh, one of our business development people come up to me and they said, hey, I was actually just talking to Carhartt you shot down there a couple of years ago. They're still big fans of you. We really need to figure out a way to, to maybe come down and, and, and do another story. And my response is, is absolutely. I will be down there tomorrow. And, and those are the people that are really out there sort of championing the brand. And, and those are the people that are closing the deals. I, I do not okay. want to, I don't ever want to say that the marketing collateral, the advertising, regardless of how strategic it is, that that is what lands a deal. It's not, okay? I think if anything, marketing and economic development is about getting sort of closer to the end zone, right? We can only get the process so far and ultimately it's decided on relationships, just like anything, right? Right. And those relationships and really filling a need or solving a problem is what ultimately seals a deal. Well, and that's, I think what that is, is you make a promise as a brand that you represent certain things. 
And so it's just like the marketing, all that kind of stuff. You can bring everybody to the door, but somebody has to be there to open it. That's right. That's all right. We've got limited time with Justin because there's man. so much is going on, and we appreciate your time. I really Justin, want to play that game with you, buddy. Yes, Maybe I, I am going to. You're going to have to come back, and we're going to ask you one of these great questions. But before you do go, I would ask if Tennessee has a brand promise, what are we promising people, and how are we following up on it? Come on, guys. I I think our brand promise is, is again, to be authentic. What you see is what you get. And we are a lifestyle. It is a place to, to not only to work but to live and do it affordably and do it with the best workforce and to have the best resources and to have a partner in, in, in government. So many other states are, you know, I, I don't want to start pointing fingers, but so many other states are, are, are set up to where you land a project, you solidify the deal, and then that's it. There's no continued partnership with them, and that's not us. Sort of sealing the deal is the first step. Uh, we want to be in this business with, with long-term brands, whether it's a, a company like Nissan or Bridgestone or, or, or Jack Daniels. If you establish essentially operations in Tennessee, our primary goal is that you always maintain that facility and we help you grow it. So that's really the, the longest brand promise ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, the stories that we tell, the people that we present, and the community that we strive for, we're not making this stuff up, right? That's right. These are real people, real places, um, with real stories to tell. So I guess let's go ahead and jump into some of the ways that specifically that you guys are doing this. Yeah, so I can dissect this, I guess, in a couple of ways. And, and, and one thing that I think really we do better than, than uh, other states, and, and one thing that we put really a primary focus on, like creative aside, is really the distribution side of it. And for us, again, sort of trying to be more advanced and look to other industries economic development marketing traditionally is is really focused on print and a handful of trade publications Mm -hmm. we over the the past few years have have really leveraged some very strong partnerships that have allowed us to have a digital media plan that really focuses on programmatic networks but also data so a lot of our targeting criteria is uh, based on firmographics, you know, whether what industry they're in, the seniority of them, also, you know, the geographic location. But a lot of that has been proprietary data that we have sourced from some economic development trade publications, some of our own mm-hmm. uh, data. But that has really allowed us to distribute all of our creative in a way to where we now, two years ago, we were probably getting, I don't know, 30,000 qualified hits a month on, on our website. It's not uncommon for us to get almost 200,000. And this has just been the last two years. Wow. And each month, we're, it's like we're essentially just shattering records year over year. I yeah. mean, we're, we're talking two to 300% increase. And I would say that I'm a, a numbers guy to, you know, I want to make sure that there's, there's ROI in what we're doing, that we're getting the most bang for our buck. At the end of the day, we are in the public sector and we need to make sure that we really are maximizing the the ad dollars that we're spending. So I'll say that is part of the the key to the distribution and making sure that we get the the messaging out there. From from the creative standpoint, to kind of build on that, I think as a as a marketer, the most challenging thing about economic development is those sort of the purchase cycle of these projects. So sure. 
I'll put, I'll put it like this. If, if you were, were going to sell a, a, a product, you can essentially get immediate ROI, put an ad out there, get somebody to click on a button, and go to Amazon and buy a product. <laughs> Purchase cycle's over, essentially, right? Well, for us, the average life cycle for a project can be one to two years. So wow. I can't really think of another industry where we're sort of the benchmark for a, for a purchase cycle is one to two years. That is a tremendous, tremendous responsibility to put on any sort of marketing strategy, right? So brand awareness is, is huge for us. And that's really where we have leveraged, tried to leverage content and the storytelling to really be that long form strategy for yes. us. And, and I know you guys have talked about this, I believe you talked about it on the first episode, Remaster, the, the TV series that we collaborated with you guys on, was, was really sort of the, the soft sell. We focused on brands that were in Tennessee. It wasn't a 30-minute long, six-episode commercial for the Department of Economic Development. Who would want to watch that? <laughs> but it was about those brands, again, that defined the, the state. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, as long as we can stay top of mind, regardless of how long the, the purchase cycle is, we have to do that by storytelling. And right. that's really where we try to take, I would say, an untraditional approach um, to figuring out how to do that. Well, I think that non-traditional approach, like I would say that in the, in the media climate and in the, the ways that people get information and in the way that they consume messaging, like there is no traditional slash non-traditional approach now in 2019 there's only what works and what doesn't yeah says the guy that's talking on a podcast the (laughs) the non-traditional approach i mean this is it right exactly well you don't expect that people will listen to your message in the way that you would want to hear it you go to where they are you go to where people experience and i think you know we we are super proud to have worked with you guys like three mastered series there's probably not another economic development agency that has an Emmy. That's right. Well, two, two Emmys. Two Emmys. Those you. counting. <laughs> those Emmys. Yes. yes. But it's, it's that outside of the, quote, outside of the box or whatever thinking that I think allows you to stay ahead of that curve and to challenge yourself both personally for the things that you're doing as a marketing department as well as, like, organizationally. Are we talking to the right people in the right places with the right messaging? That's exactly right. That's right. what it boils down to, right? I mean, I would also say that that the key to it, and I guess having been here six or seven years, my focus really right now is I've sort of, I've showed my hand. I've ran out of my bag of tricks, right? So it's <laughs> surrounding myself with people that can take sort of the foundation that I built and really just expand it. So I think talent, at, at least for me in, in sort of the creative space, space and economic development if you were to ask what's next my response would be i don't know because i've got people around me that i'm going to let kind of help direct that path and i I would also say that i think the agency agency life gives you a creative pedigree that you cannot get anywhere else absolutely whether it's school whether it's in a office traditional like office environment there is just something about this, the blood and the sweat and the tears and the chaos and the madness and the, the diva developers or designers, the whole ecosystem that's an agency that just breeds a perfect, well-rounded, creative mm-hmm. marketing professional. And even on our in-house team, every single person 
that, that we have there spent, they did a tour in, in the agency life. So I think they've, they've seen creativity get to, to a level whether it's been on, on specific brands, specific commercial brands. Mm-hmm. And that really is just, that I, I think of like personal success has been what has really set up every accomplishment that, that we've had in, in terms of recognition for ECD in, in the work is being able to have those individuals and that talent kind of drive and guide this message. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I really do work with the best team in the world and you guys are a part of that team as well. Well, and we're just, like I said, you know, we're super proud to have been involved and been able to carry out that vision, right? And so I guess for other, for other folks out there that want to follow that lead, where do you, where do you start, right? Like where does, where does someone, if you're not familiar with that way of thinking, but you do want, it's like you want to open yourself up to new avenues, new opportunities, new, new challenges, but you don't know where to start. What would you say to, maybe it's a rural county or maybe it's another, another economic development professional, somebody um, that's out there looking to make changes, but they're kind of, they're looking around and they don't know where to take that first step. Well, I think, I think a great sort of roadmap. Yesterday, uh, we had a keynote speaker, Donald Miller, who I'm a tremendous mm-hmm. fan of, wrote uh, Story Brand, which that's a product you can instantly get on Amazon. Um, I'm not plugging his book. Even though if he's listening, he owes me an autographed copy. <laughs> um, I, I would start there. That, that is a great way to sort of simplify the brand message. And, it's, and it does it in a way to where I think especially as marketers, or even if you're not a marketer, even if you're just an executive director for a, for a community and, and sure. you've got this task at hand, it boils it down and it helps you sell that idea. Uh, it helps you sell the idea of simplicity and, and really how you need to sort of differentiate yourself from anything else in the marketplace. So th- that, I think, is a good roadmap, a good tactical roadmap. For me personally, it all boils down to inspiration. I okay. talked about this a little bit about how we've looked at brands that I admire, industries that have great creative, whether it's automotive or, or tourism. I'm not telling anybody that's thinking about destination marketing to, to go to those avenues. What I would say is look at things that resonate with you, mm-hmm. sort of the, the campaigns that resonate with you. Find inspiration in those and find a way to essentially copy them, tweak them, and let allow them to work for your brand, okay? Mm-hmm. I think originality went away that the day that Google became the most popular search engine. And if you don't believe me, everybody is sitting on that one great idea. Go Google that great idea, and there's already a million people <laughs> that have already thought about that. So originality, is, I, think, I think, is dead. So it is okay. Let me say this again. It is okay to find inspiration, copy it, and adapt it for your personal brand. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, a lot of the stuff that we have created, even down to, to collateral, I could show you inspiration, whether it could be 15 different collateral pieces, but I can essentially show you a Frankenstein of, of how we put this deliverable together, and it all came back to inspiration. Uh-huh. So that, that to me is what, what works. And the, the, the third thing that I would say is that brands are about experiences, okay? You have to be able to immerse an individual in that experience. And a brand is not a logo. It's not a website. 
Mm -hmm. It is about the experience that they have. So if somebody is thinking about how can I position my community, well, the first thing you're going to need to do is immerse yourself in the brand. What about if you have a prospect that comes to your community? What challenges are you going to face? What things might resonate with them? And that's what you that's what you really need to figure out is put yourself in that individual, your, your prospect's shoes and, and figure out what challenges you have to overcome, what things are really going to help them or make them select your community or your product. And I think if you can do that and you can focus on the touch points of where they're going to have the best experience, mm-hmm. that's probably the, the, the best way to, to be successful in this. Well, I, I think you say something like super important right there because the values that you have that you intrinsically hold this is important to me to me to me is that as a community as an organization or anything how do those values translate to that prospect why are those values valuable to them why is the destination why are these things valuable to them first and being able to make that connection that's exactly right i think value is sort of the litmus test with any marketing does it provide value to them and if it doesn't well then I don't necessarily think it's marketing, and it's certainly not effective. So uh, that's a great question, and maybe that's step number four. Ask if this (laughs) provides value. Yes. I'll credit you with that one, Chris. I love it. I think that, you know, to to kind of bring bring things into a bow, earlier we talked about those brand promises, and the brand promises a certain value and a certain level of expectation right all the marketing all you and you you sum it up so well a brand is not a logo a brand is not a website it's how you feel about it right every time that a brand makes a promise call us and we'll answer the phone it could be as simple as that and then you call and nobody's there all the money in the world all the anything you have just broken that promise that's exactly right and that's why it it really sort of marketing has to transcend into sales into customer service it has to be an entire ecosystem to where if you're going to champion anything maybe it's championing championing the message and educating the people that are sort of being the touch points with that and we talked about with our sales team finally getting to a point to where we had a message that they understood that they felt confident sort of saying and and being our brand ambassadors and and again there's a reason that people are responsive to, to certain brands or they're just so passionate about certain brands. You look at Patagonia, I think is a perfect right, example. Right, right, right. And it's not just about any sort of mission or, or value structure that they have. I mean, that can mean di- different things to different people, but it's a level of, it also goes on to like the quality of the product, the customer service, and knowing that if something happens to it, it's going to be made right. Or if that you don't necessarily have the best experience with them if you need to reach out to them at any level of the the customer's journey that you're going to be able to reach somebody and they're going to respond to you with the same values that you saw in the initial advertising Mm -hmm. campaign so it has to be a holistic approach and you're right you're absolutely right all it takes is somebody coming and and experience the brand they could be on board and then all of a sudden having a bad experience and and that could be you know, some especially a prospect coming to town, they they uh, are stuck in in traffic. I mean, it, it can be a lot of external factors as, as well. But you, you've got to you've got to figure out a way to, to give people the best experience um, yeah. that you can. 
Well, you, you make a promise and your goal is to keep it. Your aim is to keep it for whoever you are, whoever you are dealing with. And we're going to keep a promise. Because you have returned, we get to play the game. That's really actually <laughs> so, the only reason I came back. So, Justin. <laughs> let's do it. So, Justin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, here you go. You get, get, a, get I the just, stack. I get to ask one, don't I? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. So, Justin gave us a present. It is Travel Table Topics to Go. And uh, it just, it's just these random questions. In fact, uh, Justin, I'm going to let you turn the tables on us. You okay. go first. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to go random with one of these okay, questions right, right out of the middle. All right, I might not want to know this, but what's the first thing you do when you get home from a trip? <laughs> of course you picked that one. Well, when I get home today... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's see. Oh, my gosh. I wish I had a, be- I wish I had a better answer for this one. The first thing... That I'm gonna do when I get home from a trip because we are on a trip right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna take my shoes off and put them in the garage because I've been driving so much and my shoes smell. There you go. That's what I'm going with. Do you wear socks? I do, but like I just I just I have to put my shoes in the garage. It's my wife's rule. That's the first thing I'm doing. Actually, and I'm giving the uh, actually the te- technically when I get home, I'm gonna give a nice uh, uh, I'm gonna give a nice answer. I'm gonna go for a run. That's great. I'm gonna go for a run. I'll throw it. But what are you? What are you wait, gonna wait, do? Wait, hold on. So you, you have kids, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So my response would be: first thing I do when I get home, my, if I were on uh, travel with without my wife and kids, my wife would be waiting for me at the door and handing me the kids. So yeah. that would be the exact he's, he's first running, thing. So, he's but running. He's running away. Go home and work out. That's I would very special of yeah. you. But my kids are. My, I have an 18 year old and a okay, 10 year okay. old. I'm like I'm past that. Like yeah, I am. I am a, a. I'm an ATM. You know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm kidding, kids. If you're listening, kids love. You basically, just said that. Kids you know, love economic development podcasts, right. so I know, I know they're going to be big, your biggest fans. We listen to Dad's podcast today all it's the awful. time. Yeah, so insightful. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Chris and Justin. Okay, if you were to go on a spiritual journey. Oh, where would you go, and what would you do? Whoa, that is deep. Mm-hmm. That is deep. I'm going to go to Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to play uh, bluegrass music at the Telluride Bluegrass Festival. And that is a spiritual journey for me. That's actually good. Colorado is honestly one of the first places I thought of. I don't necessarily have a specific destination. I'm big, again, on experiences. I would say for me, a spiritual journey is sort of getting outside my comfort zone. It would definitely be a, a, a place that I haven't been before. Um, Africa would, would definitely be there yep. or uh, any location in, in Asia. I essentially want to get outside of the, 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 the bubble and the comfort zone for me, I guess, would be going to a destination where English is the predominant language. I, I, I really want to immerse myself in, the, in culture and, and learn, you know, how small the, the world really is. And right. So I would definitely say uh, probably Asia would be my my place for a spiritual one. journey and again i don't know what i would do I, I i think i would i would go there and and experience it how the the locals would i kind of think well like that's i kind of think a little bit of Beatles style mm-hmm. uh learn to play the sitar and whatnot yeah, the sitar awesome <laughs> i think i would go to new zealand okay and 
just kind of go backpacking, hiking, and try to find places where they filmed Lord, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That's totally what I would do. <laughs> That's, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. All right, here we go. Uh, this is our, 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 our third question. Which band would you like to tour with for one month? I'm gonna throw this out ask, here too. Yeah, I was gonna ask. You can to clarify. It is you can click. You can um, identify band and time period. So it can be an artist, old, new, dead or alive. All right. So that one's very easy. I'm a big music buff. I, I would. I would also say that I'm. There's no way to properly answer this. This. That's a tough question. one. But as far as like. Being somewhere in the in the heyday, super easy. 1965, Summer Love, Grateful Dead, Hate Ashbury. Um, I don't think it gets more like of a defining moment um, to be there. Otherwise, I would say you know go, going back to sort of the the Johnny Cash, Elvis, um, Sun Records. Um. All right. Touring with Johnny Cash in the probably the early '60s would have been wild. quite the uh, quite the yeah. time with Jerry Jerry Lee in the back seat. Yeah, I bet it was pretty wild. I'd, I would go with like an '80s hair band, like just something crazy and wacky, and just yeah. who are you? That would be so fun just to go to this <laughs> like you'd be like Cinderella. Like be yes, like, that would be amazing. Oh my gosh! No, no, no! Wait, let's or, go or second tier or Skid Row. Let's yeah. go second oh tier. Yeah. <laughs> Anthrax. We have all this. We have all this amazing music. And I just you, go with the worst yes. thing ever. Eighties hair band, Rat. <laughs> Not even the top tier guys. No, no, no. you're going like the guys that are still playing yeah. state fairs. That's exactly right. <laughs> but it's War. not the original members. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apologize if there are any war fans War, war aficionados. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's hilarious though? I was actually going to say like 1985 era Metallica. Because why okay. not? Yeah. Ride the lightning. Exactly. Yeah, that would be great. In the in the, in the prime, everybody's just wearing those cut off uh, football warm up t shirts and See, leather I'm, pants. I'm right right. home, rocking and rolling. And the, the long hair, um, and the t shirts are like cut off. Yes. above the belly button. I'd say Van, like Van Halen, 1984. Like that would be a good one too. That would be that would That'd be a great really one. Good one. It'd be a lot better than Cinderella, uh, <laughs> yeah. for sure. <laughs> I, really? I stand by my answer. He's like, in my my backup, it's like late 90s Nickelback, right? <laughs> Before they really hit it big. <laughs> when, you know, yeah. when they still really had the yeah. soul. I'm going to go with they the, sold out the, the 90s the band Stained. Yes. <laughs> like just some random. Like <laughs> Wait, what's another good night at Creed? We're, we're Creed, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the Jesus tour. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be like, I really like this podcast until they insulted all of my favorite bands. <laughs> all of my favorite bands. This well, was going so well. That's right. You shouldn't be listening to this type of music anyways. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. We'll do one more question that should be easy, and we're going to tie it up like a bow. What's your favorite state? That was, I just made that one up. It wasn't on the card, but it's softball. Well, I, this is easy. Liquid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was You're talking about matter, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. It's a science question. I, I would go with that as well. Um, <laughs> if you're asking about favorite state within the United States. Within the, yeah. Oh, okay. I would say the one that I called home um, my entire life, the, the volunteer state, Tennessee, without a doubt. There we so, go. Yeah, me too. Dose. Tennessee. Tennessee myself. And admittedly, like, if any one of us had been like, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> eh, eh. 
Rhode Island. Rhode yeah. Island. What? Yeah. <laughs> I was. Th- I used to go there as a kid. I would like to go back to Delaware to listen to Cinderella play the uh, Rhode <laughs> Island State Fair. Early '90s, Rhode Island, double bill, Rat, Cinderella, with like Jodeci openings. <laughs> That's right. And and I think that is a perfect place. <laughs> That's a perfect place to call it a day. We appreciate you, Justin. Thanks to everybody that has joined us live um, from here in Nashville, Tennessee. This has been Best Behavior Creative Club, an original Design Sensory podcast. And listen, guys, you can listen to all the Cinderella you want. You be you. (laughs) See ya. See ya.